Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 503 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from Kelly Jeffs about all the goings on at the lighthouse. What they'll have a natter with Lucy Alexander about what kids want when they move home. And it does include a slide down the middle so they don't have to use the stairs. Also, uh, we'll be hearing about the forthcoming gig from The Sound of the Fortunes. Michael Smith will let us know about that. And we'll have a burst of some of their tunes as we head through the show today too. We'll be finding out all about the third season of the TV series Masher and the Bear. And I've been along to the Red Lion in Wensfield following their recent refurbishment. But first of all... This summer sees the return of the Stafford Gatehouse Theatre's Shakespeare Festival. However, it's got a new look to it. To tell us more, I'm joined now by the director of The Merchant of Venice, Oliver O'Shea. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. Great to be with you. Good to talk to you. So what's going on here then? Because it's obviously going to be another massive production. And are we going to see this outdoors once more? Absolutely. So it returns to Stafford Castle. It's in its 29th year. Uh, And this is my uh, first year directing at the festival. Um, So there's many things that will be recognisable for people who have been before. It's open air as usual, but the audience are under shelter. This year, we're bringing the audience closer to the stage. And instead of three seating banks, they're a little bit separate from each other. We're having the audience in one seating bank. So we're unifying the audience and it'll be to improve the experience. So it's a a bit of a change around. And in fact, the same can be said for the play itself, can't it? Because it's not your traditional setting this time. No, it's the first time that The Merchant of Venice has been performed uh, in the Stafford Shakespeare Festival in its 29 years. So it might be a a new play for audiences who are not familiar with it. But we're doing it in quite accessible and playful style. We're locating the production in 1950s New York. They won't be performing it in New York accents. It'll be in their own voices but the idea is that that's a kind of um a visual world a visual Mm -hmm. reference point um uh, that helps us kind of access the play today um rather than um but of course um when the play was first staged it wouldn't have been realistically presented in venice either you know it was this um when shakespeare was writing it he was he was creating this sort of mythical place um and i guess new york today and in that period has this kind of magical quality you know it's this glamorous place so so yeah it's it's um it'll be performed by up to 12 actors and some of those we're hoping will be from the local area as well and we'll be hoping to welcome back some actors who have appeared in previous um, productions at the Stafford Shakespeare Festival. Well, give us a bit of a background to the, the play itself then. What else is, do we need to know the story? Because it's got one of Shakespeare's most iconic characters, Shylock, in it. Absolutely, yes. Um, so it's Shakespeare has always experimented with genre, and The Merchant of Venice is quite unusual. In It's sort of, at the beginning, feels like it's almost a romantic comedy, and then sort of develops into this dramatic thriller. But one of the main characters, Portia, uh, is seeking a husband. Um, she's uh, we're sort of imagining her as this privileged heiress. All suitors from around the world are interested in uh, becoming her husband. 
and uh, all they have to do is solve a puzzle. Uh, she's got three boxes, one that's gold, silver and lead. And uh, if the suitor chooses the right box, they'll become her husband. Um, so Bassanio, who's been of a spendthrift, uh, he's in debt. He feels like in order to impress her and to be uh, a possible suitor, he needs to borrow some more money. Uh, and his close friend Antonio, who is the uh, eponymous merchant of Venice, can't lend him any more because all his money is tied up in different uh, business projects. So in the original, it's uh, he's got ships um, all taking um, goods uh, to different places. Uh, so they set out to find who will be able to uh, loan Bassanio some money. And that's where, in the third scene of the play, we're introduced to Shylock, who, as you say, is a very iconic and complex character. <laughs> Um, who uh, who agrees to uh, lend the money, but uh, with certain conditions attached. Uh, so I won't, for those who don't know the play, I, I won't give away um, what the deal is. Um, but uh, yes, the, it sort of um, we we follow uh, Portia and Bassanio and Antonio, but also Shylock and how that all those characters end up uh, meeting. And the Shakespearean version of Tinder sounds quite difficult to operate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is kind of like a game, um, and uh, uh, it's often directors have struggled with working out how this game works. It seems quite odd that someone would uh, choose a husband in this way. <laughs> um, uh, her father has uh, has um, has determined that who's 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 passed away, but her late father has determined this uh, game, which is also a bit problematic for audiences today. But I think we've got some uh, clever ideas about how we're going to do that that we're developing. Well, in the grounds of Stafford Castle, it's an amazing setting for this. It's the right time of year to do it, obviously. The weather is 99.9% guaranteed to be pretty good, and the audience are undercover, even if it's not just the actors who have to suffer if it does rain a little bit. But as the sun sets behind the castle, it just looks phenomenal out there. So have you been to one of the festivals in the past? I've not been to this particular festival, but I've heard so much about it from uh, uh, actors who've been in it and... um friends have been to see it before and I've, I've worked on outdoor Shakespeare productions before so um, so yes it's um, I've heard everything about how magical it is there and obviously I've been up to the castle itself uh, over the last few weeks uh, very different at this time of year obviously <laughs> naturally <laughs> we were we were quite cold um, but we're, we're already there sort of imagining how this production is going to sit in that very special um, space and uh, yeah we're hoping for weather as good as last year 11,000 people came to see Macbeth and uh, I guess that was partly due to the <laughs> the wonderful weather but, but as you say it is undercover so you know even if it rains you, you should be fine as an audience member. Well it's absolutely brilliant I absolutely love Macbeth last year looking forward to the Merchant of Venice this year with that 1950s New York setting it should be absolutely fantastic Thursday the 27th of June through to Saturday the 13th of July tickets are on sale on 0178 Five six one nine zero eight zero. That's zero one seven eight five six one nine zero eight zero. You can pop online to staffordshirefestivalshakespeare.com or staffordshiregatehousetheatre.co.uk. Get more details there. But it sounds like you got a busy time working on this one. It should be a fantastic show. Absolutely, yes. And there's uh, matinees on Saturdays and an afternoon showing on Sunday as well. Starts slightly earlier this year at seven forty-five. So that will be interesting. About as you say, when the sun sets. It'll 
it'll happen at a slightly different time to usual as well. You've got to try and fit that into the right point in the story then, I take it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a challenge <laughs> exactly. for you. We'll see how that works out in the direction. But, Director Oliver O'Shea, thank you for joining us. Brilliant. Thank you, Jason. In a moment whose time, Michael Smith and lets us know about the sound of the fortunes. It'd be wrong, though, not to bring you some of the sound of the fortunes before we hear about their gig in Bridge North in March. Let's take a little listen to one of their classic tracks. See that girl go walking by. I know boys shouldn't cry. Here it comes again. That feeling, here it comes again. When I see her look into his eyes, no matter how I try, here it comes again. The Sound of the Fortunes is at the Theatre on the Steps in Bridge North on Wednesday the 27th of March. To tell us more about the show, I'm joined now by Michael Smitham. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And uh, you, you've got a busy time of it. You seem to be here, there and everywhere just at the moment. Yeah, well, we've, um, we, yeah, we went to Australia last year, so it has been a, it's been a, a mad couple of years, to be honest. I mean, this whole 60s thing was supposed to slow down, but it hasn't for us. It's, <laughs> it's been speeding up, luckily. Well, that's because the music is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's a starting point. It is. I mean... <laughs> 70s, 80s, I mean, people keep trying these tours and putting them together, but the 60s, I think they'll go on for long, long past we, you know, when we've gone. It'll never come again. Those sounds will never come again, I don't. This is it. They're, they're just amazing music. But, I mean, tell us a bit about the lineup as things stand at the moment, because uh, it is Sounds of the Fortunes. Now, you've been playing with the Fortunes, what, for more than 40 years now? Oh, blimey, yeah. I joined just after the Second World War. It was a long time ago. <laughs> But it came about through ill health, to be honest. We um, we came, as I say, we came back from Australia, and bless him, our drummer Glenn, he um, he wasn't very well over there. He's complaining about headache all the time, and when he got home, um, he was rushed straight into hospital in an air helicopter. Wow! And he had a bleed on both sides of his brain. Oh dear, that's that's not. Yeah, good. and he was in a coma for six days and um, in hospital for two and a half weeks. He's out now and he's fine, but then our keyboard player he went down as well. He's very poorly, so. We had shows in that we were contracted for, and I rang one of them was in Spain, and I rang the chap and I said, "Look, we've got a real problem. I can get a couple of depths in." If he said, "No, I don't want a watered down version of the band," he said, "Well, I said, what? I said, well, look, we'll come over, we'll try it as a duo," mm-hmm. and he said, "Well, if you're up for it," and we did it with back into, and it went in an absolute storm. I couldn't believe it, mainly because I think we chatted more, we got we were more intimate with the audience, you know. But so it's the same. It's all the hits, all yeah. the hit records. Um, all the great stuff from the 60s and 70s and uh, just a bit of chat about what we did and where we were when it happened. Because well, you have got quite a few stories to tell, haven't you? Well, yeah, I think most of us in this genre of music have. You know, we've been around forever. You know, we've been I've been doing this job now for 54 years, so there's a lot of stories, yeah. So rather than just stand, like I always say, and point your suit at people, we tend to um, not just say, here's another song, we tell them what happened, where this song came from, what we were doing, and... 
you know a bit more history about um, about the music. And that is something they want because they, they have grown up with this music, uh, sometimes grown old alongside this music, and this gives them chance to feel a bigger part of it when they know the tales behind the tunes. Yeah, I think it means more to them. I mean, it was just an idea I came up with about three or four years ago, and we used back in like a video on the back wall. We mm-hmm. showed pictures of us when we were younger and stuff like that. And uh, the fans loved it because they'd never seen it before. They, they'd watched us many, many times, but they didn't know us personally. And when they saw these other things that we did and when we told the stories and that, um, yeah, it meant a lot. And a lot of the bands are doing it now. I think Amen Corner are doing it now, and I think um, Marmalade and people, they, they're using the videos and stuff. It just, I don't know, it, it just makes it a bit more interesting rather than, say, just standing there, you know, saying here's another hit record we had in 1972 or whatever, you know? Yeah, it brings it all to life, and again, yeah, it, it'll, yeah. tr- it'll trigger memories for people in the audience. The songs are going to bring things back, but it, yeah, a little bit of footage can make a massive difference as well, can't it? Well, it does. It's like a fifth member of the band at the back of the stage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we do, um, you've got your troubles and stuff like that. We show pictures of the original guys in '63. You know, there's um, a little video at the back of them walking down the steps, and a little bit more of them playing the song at the Palladium, London Palladium, when they're young boys. So it's just a little bit of um, bit of interest, you know, makes it a bit better. And with the songs on the night, because we'll have all the hits of the four tunes, but you're also going to throw in some other bits and pieces as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Eddie has spent 30 years backing um, Billy J. Kramer. He mm-hmm. was in the Dakotas for 30 years, you see. Yeah. So he, he's got a whole wealth of other stuff. And uh, and he came from the punk era. era. He's <laughs> a little bit younger than me. And... Um, He's got some. He's got some great stories to tell. I can tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, on all this, I mean, it stemmed from the the guys getting together in Brum, didn't it? It did indeed. Yeah, it came off the back of the uh, the Liverpool thing. It was a Liverpool sound, which was a bit hard, a bit more rock and roll. And then all the harmonies started with bands like the Fortunes and the and the um, Rocking Berries and the Booth, and you know, that was more. I think I'm writing saying that um, you got your troubles was the first hit record that was ever made we had the counterpoint melody when one guy was singing one thing and somebody else was singing another you know it was a bit more sophisticated should we say brumbeat oh yes it is a bit classy and 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 that continues this day and the sound that we're going to hear there is going to uh, be you know a nice a, a big sound to uh, two people on stage but bringing it all to life and you know, with all of that the Theatre on the Steps is going to be a fantastic venue for it. I mean, you must have played there a few times in your in your time. We have, yeah. Um, Dave Coleman's put it together for us. I think we played there two or three times, and I've been to see a few people there. It's a lovely little theatre. It's a very, very intimate place. It's just a bit of a pain to get into it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, getting the gear in is quite tricky. But, yeah, uh... because the, those steps were made for donkeys, weren't they? <laughs> it's true. I was told by the guy who looks after the theatre, I said, why are these steps so weirdly paced out? He said, well, look, the donkey used to bring the stuff up and down the steps. And that's how it all came to be. So there you are. We've got a bit of history as well. well so you, you do like your history. You're sharing it all the way around. So if people want to get hold of tickets, uh, it's basically get in touch with the theatre, I take it. That's it. That's spot on. Spot uh, on. And, of course, there is the Fortunes website as well. Yeah, yeah, all the details will be there. Yeah. So do a bit of Googling, check it all out. But you can also see all the other gigs that are coming up as well. I know you're going to have a great time of it. But make sure you can get yourself along to the Theatre on the Steps in Bridge North, Wednesday the 27th of March, for the Sound of the Fortunes. Fantastic. Uh, it sounds absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm completely convinced. Uh, Michael Smith, thank you for joining us. Anytime, mate. You've got my number anytime at all. Thanks very much indeed.
see that worried look upon your face You've got your troubles, I've got mine She's found somebody else to take your place You've got your troubles, I've got mine the red line in Wensfield's undergone a massive transformation, looking absolutely resplendent with a brand new menu. To tell us more about what's going on, I've got pub manager Hannah Jones with me. Hello. Hello. So you're really excited about the, the brand new look and the, the brilliant facilities you have down here. I'm so excited. This is the look and the feel that the pub has needed for a very long time, and I'm just so excited to open up to the public and get everyone in to see what changes we've made. Yeah, because it is looking absolutely great. Uh, so it, it really looks wonderful from the outside. Everything seems brand new and painted. Everything's brand new and painted. We've had um, a massive overhaul on the front because uh, it was sort of white and black, mm -hmm. which is quite dated now, especially being on a main road. We've knocked through walls to create more seating, so we have a, a whole new snug area, um, perfect for live sports viewing. Uh, we've created a whole new sort of games room area with two pool tables and a newly refurbished dartboard, which is just behind us here. Mm -hmm. That's looking rather good. <laughs> uh, it does, it looks lovely. It's got an illuminated ring as well, so it's uh, going to be easy for throwing darts. And with all of this though, I mean, it's, it's the, the service that's going to make the difference to people when they come to the pub, and you've got that on the nail as well. Definitely. Uh, something we've always prided ourselves in is that we, we deliver good service. Um, we've taken that, that extra mile now. We offer sports table service for all big football games, um, and that's mainly in sort of the bar side which is sort of more of your designated sports zone as well as that we do something called um, assisted table service so if you're coming towards the end of your drink uh, no matter where you're sat and a member of bar staff clocks you they'll come over you no need to leave your seat and they'll uh, offer you a, a drink and get it from the bar and bring it over all of this on top of the great service the fantastic i mean it looks so light and airy this this is what's helped taking some of the, the walls out and changing the internal layout for it and all this, I mean, how long has this taken to get to this position? So it has taken about three and a half weeks overall, which is a, a very long time for our regular drinkers to not be here. <laughs> um, but it has taken so long because of we having to knock out walls. But yeah. once you walk in, it is very impactful of how bright and spacious the pub is now. And the community itself is going to absolutely love this, isn't it? Because it's very much a heart of the community-style pub. Yeah, we always love um, community events. And, you know, we're sort of right in the central of a residential area, right near um, Newcross Hospital as well. So we are heart of the community. We're looking to link up with some charities going forward and have some sort of family fun days in the garden, that kind of thing, um, going forward. Yeah. And uh, on top of all of that, there's music and things as well. I know uh, opening night is a massive event, but there's going to be music every Saturday. Yes, we've always been famous for having live entertainment, and it's something that we pride ourselves on. Is somewhere that every week, religiously, every Saturday, we will have live bands. Uh, we've got some absolute cracking bands lined up so far for the next six months. We've got the Lemons Band, which is a local Wensfield band. They're playing on Saturday the 16th. All entertainment starts at 9 o'clock, and uh, we can't wait to see you. And your Facebook page is the best place to find out about all of this? Yeah, Facebook, um, just search Red Lion Wensfield. Uh, it's got links on there to the website if you want to find out what's going on, look at our food menus. We update Facebook pretty much every day, so take a look. So yeah, it's going to be a case of tracking it all, see what's going on, but most importantly, just nip along, give us the full address details so people can find you. Uh, so it's the Red Lion Pub on Amos Lane in Wensfield, uh, postcode if you want it, WV111LE. Uh, Facebook is Red Lion Wensfield. If you want the phone, it's 01902 734824. So absolutely fantastic pub, looking absolutely brilliant. I'm looking forward to a meal now, but uh, make sure you come down and check out the brand new Red Lion in Wensfield. Our love has gone And the 
to tell us more about the current happenings. I'm joined now by Kelly Jeffs. Hello. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm very well, and I trust we find you as busy as ever. Yes, hectic. It's been really, really busy since we get, came back in the new year. 2019 has gone off like a rocket, uh, which is really good, obviously. Obviously. Uh, we've, still, we've still got a long journey ahead of us for sustainability and security but we're heading in the right direction which is good news i mean the save the lighthouse campaign continues and by using it that's how you save it and i know your figures have uh, people I mean, a footfall through the doors for the films have been doing brilliant things but we need to keep that level there because that's how it becomes sustainable exactly so it's you know it's the fact that you know we, we still need we're still a charitable organization that's not going to change you know more ticket sales more people using us you know the more people use us like you say, the future is is much more secure, um, and I see I see new people through the door every day, which is fantastic, you know. And once they have a good experience, uh, they come back, which is great. And they're going to because I mean it's a great venue. I love the the cinema down there. I've seen films down there. Uh, the bar's fantastic. Uh, in fact, I was sitting interviewing somebody in the, one of the bars last week, and it was just a nice place to, to to be with all the scenery, as well as the fact that you can get something to eat and drink as well. Absolutely. It's a lovely, relaxed atmosphere and there's always something going on. Monday morning, we had the Carers Wellbeing Cafe. That, you know, It's packed full of people who are coming down to have a, a calm, friendly, peaceful cup of tea and a chat with other people who are in similar situations. So that the Carers Wellbeing Cafe, it's, you know, it's a it's people need to still try and socialise as much as they can. Um, you know, instead of being stuck at home wondering what to do, not feel that they're being supported. Um, and it's a fantastic atmosphere. And the great thing is you're so close to the bus station as well, which makes it really easy. Absolutely accessible um, by the, the bus station, the train station, you know. So, and also, it's, you know, it's the fact that once once the these groups do come to us on a regular basis, they start to see what else we do and then you, you start seeing them coming to see films and, you know, so it all blends together. Yeah. I mean, at the they... moment, you've got the, the open exhibition as well, which, which opened last week and runs through to the end of yes. March. Tell us a bit about that one. Well, the open exhibition is um, curated by Jay Valentino. He had a, an exhibition with us last year, two exhibitions with us last year, um, and he's a real um, champion um, of local artists but this time you know it's attracted international artists mm-hmm. we've had submissions from the united states from portugal from haiti and you know he it, it's it's generally it is generally a celebration of 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 you know inspirational artists from the local community but it is attracting um a lot of you know national interest so um, that's on until the end of March. It's a free entry. Jay's around most days, so he can talk to people about 
the different artists. There's about 80 different artists exhibiting. <laughs> wow. And, it, you know, it ranges from sculpture through to photography to print to tapestry. There's all sorts of um, mediums being, you know, displayed. It's a lovely exhibition, lovely exhibition. So that's well worth a look. So tell us about the films that are going on at the moment, because you've got well, some grace of running all this week. Absolutely. Like I said, since January, it's just been the big releases, but it's all stuff that it's not sort of the the whistles and bangs and explosions blockbusters. It, these are the big films, things like Mary Poppins, Bohemian Rhapsody, Stan and Ollie has, was huge. We were selling out. It was phenomenal. Our takings for January more than doubled from last January. Um, a lot of it is to do with the, the products, the, the quality of the films on offer. But I think that the campaign is helping as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a real, it's a real, um, you know, integral thing to everything that the campaign. So currently, um, on the on the back of the BAFTA that was Sunday night, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everything that we we're screening um, has been sort of BAFTA nominated or part of that whole process with the award season, especially with the Oscars coming up at the end of February. Yeah. So it, it, next month in March, we're going to have to bring a lot of films back that people may have missed out on the first time. And that, that's a good um, thing about Lighthouse, you do this, and it's just like yes. any other screening. It's not tucked away somewhere in the middle of the night. It's You, know, no. the, you make these available. We, it's available we films. We do. Because we get a lot of disappointed people who may have been on holiday or they may not have been well at the time. And then things like a film like Bohemian Rhapsody, we've we've already played it three times and people are still wanting more. They want to come and, and see it again because it's such a spectacular film, you mm. know, entertainment-wise. And we are having um, a sing-along version <laughs> on Saturday the 23rd of February. That sounds like fun. Um, I know, absolutely. So Saturday the twenty third of February, tickets are selling quite quickly. Two o'clock and eight o'clock. We've got two two screenings of it that day, and it'll be a fantastic atmosphere. Um, but other films we've got. So this week we've got the big the big film, uh, Green Book, which I personally would highly recommend. Mm-hmm. It's a very soft and um, traditional story uh, of friendship and expect, managing each other's expectations. And um, Mahasala Ali won the supporting actor at the BAFTAs on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, you might remember him from Moonlight. And um, uh, he was in House of Cards as well in the early series. He's a fantastic actor. And Viggo Mortensen plays the the rogue sort of mafioso sort of um, doorman yeah. who's asked, he's actually headhunted to... Um, to be um, this this classic um, classical pianist, uh, his driver to, to, to take him on tour in the deep south. Yeah. Now this is set in the early in the early 1960s in the American South, where there's race issues and I mean things you know aren't particularly much different these days. But it's 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 telling the story of them how they deal with each other's situations. It's a fantastic film. Highly highly recommend it. And then the other film we've got this week is All Is True, and that is the the new sort of it's like a drama biography, um, but it's based around the sort of latter day, the, sort of the later part of William Shakespeare's life, and it focuses more on his relationship with his wife, and it's again it's a very calm and quiet film. And Kenneth Branagh's um, in that one, isn't he? Kenneth Branagh, he's he directed it as well. 
um, and also Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. So, yeah, you know, it's a recipe for success. But hasn't um, Kenneth Cabrano grown into that part? It's almost like he was now made to play that. Yeah. It, it's, you know, I think I think he's he's desperately been wanting to do it. <laughs> it was almost a similar sort of thing to Steve Coogan wanting to do um, Stan Laurel. He yeah. knew that he always. There's always something in the back of his mind that he wanted to do that film. Um, and and then we're going to next week, which is more big films, Vice with um, with Christian Bale. Um, we've got If Beale Street Could Talk, which I would, again, highly recommend. It's a very, very pure love story. Um, and um, that is... That's that's got a bit of Oscar buzz around it as well, mm-hmm. and then we're heading straight into Mary Queen of Scots at the end of February the twenty second. The film the, the film has been out for a couple of weeks already, but because we've only got two screens, we can't have everything all at once. Yeah. So we have to look at staggering things. But our audience doesn't tend to mind waiting. It, it's it's about you know, coming to see the films when yeah yeah. And, and but you've even yeah. got things like on the nineteenth, you got uh, Don Quixote from the Royal Ballet popping in on the uh, right. Tuesday night. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got these other things that are um, sort of peppered in amongst the programme. Um, and uh, so the the other lovely thing that we've got going on, at the, what we've tried to do is we didn't specifically do anything, plan anything for Valentine's as, as in a one-off film. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we, we've got the normal programme, but on, in the bar on Valentine's night, we've got Prosecco and Strawberries if people want to come and have a date night and just go and see a film in general. It hasn't got to be a love story. You, you might know. just like Strawberries. Not... That's another reason to turn up. <laughs> exactly. Um, and But on the 24th, Sunday the 24th, you may or may not know, we do a regular classic film with a cream tea. They're doing really well. They sell very well now. Three o'clock and in the afternoon. Month, Three o'clock this month, we've got Brief Encounter. Who's not going to want to come to see that? It's just beautiful. You know, it's just such a, a wonderful film. And the fact that you've seen it on the big screen, amazing. Oh, that one, it's, uh, what, £8.90 for that one? Well, that's on a Sunday, so it's a little bit less on a Sunday. Oh, yeah, £7.70, £7. yeah. Yeah, and six ninety concessions, and then four fifty for under-25s, but and students, so four fifty for under 25s anytime and but just so buy the cream tea that you want as well you don't see yeah have, you, it's not compulsory you, buy, you just buy buy your you cream tea on top <laughs> no but you if you do want a cream tea we do advise to book them in advance okay because it's getting busier and busier so we know what we're dealing with and no one's disappointed in the waiting for ages for the cream tea to be served you know it's all organized really well see if, if yeah if i was expecting the cream tea and i wasn't going to get one i'd, I'd be upset so yeah i, I would yeah. be wanted to book in advance for that one but that's all absolutely good. so it's all, <laughs> all going on then there uh, anything else any other highlights um the we've got our screen wolf project which was launched um earlier well it was launched as 2019 mm-hmm. um started and it, we're into the second film now we it's slowly building up so we're trying to engage more with 15 you know the 15 to 25 year old age bracket um where they start to think about consuming film in a different way i.e not at a multiplex Mm -hmm. and coming to somewhere that's a little bit more sort of um adult you know absolutely (laughs) absolutely um and also the fact that they get and they register their first film experience they get a um a free film and pizza and then if they come back obviously they pay they pay for their films but there's a meet up and people can hang around after the film and 
play board games or just chat about the film. Um, yeah, so there's a snack involved. You know, what, what, else, what, you know, what, why wouldn't you come? Free okay. pizza and a free film uh, for the first visit, and then after that. You pay for your films, but you get you still get your free pizza. So sadly, I'm I'm not going to get away with that one because you know how old I am. No, so I'm not going to be able to fake being 25. Either. Oh, okay. No, so I'm not either. Such is life. Sad, sad news. Yeah, they didn't do that when we were at school, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't. No, but there we go. <laughs> right. So uh, plenty of stuff going on. Give us the website and all the other details. I like it when you do this bit. Yeah, so we're in the Chubb buildings, the beautiful, iconic Victorian buildings just by the train station and the bus station. And we are on uh, the website www.light-house.co.uk. And you can call box office, book tickets over the phone, no extra charge for booking tickets over the phone, Wolverhampton 716055. So all of that, 01902 716055, Go and use the most amazing facility we have in our city. It is Lighthouse. Kelly, as ever, thank you for joining us. That's my pleasure. See you soon. survey from Barclays Mortgages reveals why kids love where they live and what makes a perfect home. It includes feeling safe and being able to arrange a sleepover. To tell us more, I'm joined now by TV presenter Lucy Alexander. Hello. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? I'm very well. I trust we find you well. Well, I'm very well. I'm having a really great time um, on this Love It or Loathe It campaign with Barclays, finding out that mortgages reveal that Brits are true home birds and 83% of us are really happy in our current homes, which is great to hear, isn't it? Yep. But there's still a pesky little 45% of us that would still consider moving house. What we've learned is that um, both kids and parents, they want their own bedrooms. The parents want the kids to have their own bedrooms. The kids want their own bedrooms. They also want to live close to their family. But they really need to have fast Wi-Fi. So important. That is a biggie, isn't it? So 17% are thinking of moving. But as you say, there's yeah. a difference between the 83 and the 45. So it is... It is size of house, which is going to be pushing them towards moving home. Absolutely. Or Wi-Fi. So I suppose when you're driving around looking for a property these days, not only are you checking the rest of the locale, but how far you are from the cabinet at the end of the road <laughs> on the Wi-Fi speed. So that is making you no. looking for little green boxes everywhere, aren't you? Do you know what the kids are? The kids are in the back of the car going, we're not living here, Mum. I've got no Wi-Fi. So you can forget that house. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine the scenario, can't you? Because I don't know about you, but I used to go on house viewings all the time with my mum and dad if they were looking to buy a new home. And we did move around quite a lot. That's probably why I do what I do for a job. But, you know, we used to go, oh, no, we don't like it here. There's no shops. My friends won't be able to come and visit us here. I think the kids do dictate quite a lot these days about what they expect and what they want from their homes. And did you find that in Homes Under the Hammer as well, that, that the, you know, the whole family was having an influence as well as the uh, the grown-ups? Yeah, I think. 
think I think doing a show like that, first and foremost, it was about can we get a roof on? <laughs> you know, <laughs> does it have a front door? I mean, it's a different kind of program. But once the family had renovated the house, you know, the kids have their say, and I think it's really important to make sure that as a family, you know, you invest so much time and energy and money into your home. But I think you need to sit down as a family and discuss what you will want from the property and how it's going to work for you as a family and how you can all put the heart into it and all be happy. And I, I like the way these sort of figures varied around the country as well, uh, with one in four homeowners in Liverpool <laughs> like their home because they were in a great takeaway. Now, no. uh, that is important, yeah. but probably maybe less so now we get Deliveroo turning up every 10 minutes with stuff. Exactly. But what about one in five who live in Sheffield? They like to be near the local park. <laughs> happy days. I quite agree with that. Hopefully that's not that's not the kids I'm hoping there on that one. but. Uh... <laughs> You see, I live in Surrey and that's me. I'm definitely on that list. I think, think, you know, people have different views on what makes a good home. One person's dream home can be another's idea of hell. I mean, it it really is very different for everybody. But I think in the top 10 list that we've compiled here, the thing that I love the most is that uh, the kids actually, instead of wanting, you know, a TV in their bedroom, uh, a swimming pool, a slide from the top of the house going to the bottom, <laughs> all those really fun things, which is what they want. Oh, yeah, a cinema room, please. But no. one thing they all really do want mm-hmm. is to feel safe. That came out at, you know, the top. They want to feel safe. They want to walk into their house and feel like it's it's home. Yep, secure, nice windows and doors, protecting you from the outside world. Yeah, and that's great coming from the kids, though, isn't it? Yeah, so it's nice to thinking about that as well. So it, it, it is making a, a home really a, a place to settle down in. And as long as they're seeing it that way, it's not all about having to you know, immediately head out the home and, yeah. and go to the cinema. If you want that cinema room at home yeah. where you can settle in and, and have family time. Exactly. And that's the one thing, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people about this campaign. It's about thinking about your needs as a family. You know, you might be fed up with your teenagers holed up in their bedrooms, but there are little tweaks you can do to your communal space, maybe, in your home to bring your kids back downstairs. You know, ask the kids what it is they want to do in their houses. If they want a cinema room, perhaps talk about, oh, do you know what? Once a month, why don't we, as a family, have a movie night? But bring out the popcorn. You know, there are tweaks you can do Mm -hmm. to make your home work for you a lot more. And, of course, you want to avoid high council tax too. So it's trying to work out all of that and get the ideal home. Exactly. Now, that's funny because uh, we've also done the top ten reasons why parents love, but we've also done why they hate their homes. Number one, (laughs) for the parents, it was there are no spare rooms for the family members. But number two, it was high council tax. So, you know, it just shows, you know, obviously that wasn't on the list of the kids' hates. The kids' <laughs> list of hates were the house isn't good enough for a sleepover. Yeah, if there's nowhere to put your mates, you know, an extra annex for a sleepover, what do you reckon? Yeah, do you know what? I've got to say, I'm a mum, I've got kids. They just want to have sleepovers. And this is what I'm talking about. Let's try and find a way of living the life you want to live in, the home that you've got. You don't have to move. Let's improve our homes. We don't feel the need to have to sell up. You know, maybe you can have a couple of spare mattresses tucked in the understairs cupboard, and and that could be your sleepover den once a month for the kids. You know, there really are ways around things. And it'd be really interesting to see how this has all developed over the 325 years Barkers have been operating. So, you know, it, it, it must be amazing the way this has changed over the decades and who knows what's going to come next it might be sleepovers yeah. now and wi-fi yeah. but yeah. what do you reckon what do you see in the future i know 
I know. Monsters under the bed, perhaps. Yeah, I don't that's know. That's a possibility, yeah. Has to be in every... <laughs> so I love it. It's kind of like the kids are ruling the school, you know. The kids <laughs> have got such a big say these days um, in, in house moves. You know, and the research shows that most kids do get really upset, the thought, you know, thinking about moving house. And it's, it's really worth having that open and honest conversation with your kids and why it's so important to get them on board. Yeah, well, I remember when I was 12, my mum and dad were thinking about moving house because they wanted a bigger home. In the end, they extended what we'd got, and it's been brilliant. They still live in there now. Fantastic yeah. way of doing it. But Absolutely. equally, you know, yeah. you, it, a mortgage for buying a house uh, and, and, and a mortgage for extending, you probably have less costs that you lose if, exactly. you, if you stay where you are and extend. And that's what we're saying. It's a simple phone call. You know, you, you can go online. You, you can look at the Barclays website. It may be a case of just remortgaging, trying to get a loan, you know, extending out. You can have that lovely open space that you've always dreamed of, you know, the large flowing multifunctional space that leads out into the garden with the dream doors maybe you can convert into your garage go up into your loft there are lots of other things you can do to compare against the moving costs of a new house perhaps so yeah ways of using your money as wisely as you can and i think kids would prefer that you know what i just remember loving the house so much that i lived in the yeah. thought of making it even better would be much more appealing to me actually <laughs> and not just decorating, you wanted extra stuff too. Oh, of course, yeah. I wanted the slide from the top of the house <laughs> to the bottom. That's got to come with it. I think the stairs can be converted with a tray. That might. No, don't tell your kids that. That could be held up. <laughs> Listen, I love it that you've said a tray. That's really, you're the first person to have said that because I used to sit on a very small mattress <laughs> and my sister used to boot me from behind and shove me down the stairs and we'd go sliding it from the top to the bottom on a small mattress. <laughs> but a tray's even better. But obviously don't try that at home, kids. No, don't, no, don't, because the, 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 the hall will be wrecked at the bottom of the stairs. But uh, it's not good for my days. Where can we go to find out more information before I cause havoc? Oh, yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, Barclays website has got everything you need to know about how you can improve without having to move. That's Yeah. Check out all the details, find out more on the survey and maybe get some ideas and ways of up the house that the kids will like and then be the best parent in the world because they didn't have to tell you as well. That could be a good way of doing it. Can you imagine how popular you'll be? Jason, it's been so lovely talking to you. Lisa Alexander, thank you for joining us. Take care. Voice your choice Voice your choice Tell me who do you love Am I the one That you're thinking of Animated series Masha and the Bears recently set a Guinness World Record for the most watched animated series on YouTube. To tell us more about the series and the great work that it's doing in kids, I'm joined now by Dr. Sam Wass, development psychologist and contributing psychologist on The Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds. Good afternoon, sir. Hi, Jason. So tell us a bit more about uh, this story in itself, because these are amazing figures for a kids' TV show. Yeah, so I guess there are two aspects to this story, really, Jason. So one is just, you know, how children's TV watching and children's, you know, what children are using their kind of brains and their minds for, you know, is changing so rapidly. Um, you know, this is something that's very interesting to me as a, a psychologist. The first TV came out in the 1950s, 1960s. So a child growing up 100 years ago, they never would have seen a screen their entire life. You know, we had TV, you know, in our living room when we were kids, but there was only, you know, a screen in one room in the house. Um, since 
touchscreen phones came out um, in the first one came out in 2008 and then tablets came out in 2010. We're now, children are now growing up in this world where they're never far from um, a screen. And because of that, we're getting a big increase in, you know, the amount of screen viewing um, that's come on, you know, as I say, very recently over the past like 10 to 15 years. So that's one aspect of the story that's interesting, Jason. The other in particular is Joe, Master and the Bear, which is just a massive worldwide um, hit. You know, it's really mind-blowing to think 3.4 billion views for a single episode. There are loads of these episodes that have, you know, more than a billion views. Um, and what's really amazing about this, and it, it's another kind of very modern thing, which is it's worldwide. It's just everywhere. You know, children in Peru are watching it. You know, children in the UK are watching it. Children in Russia are watching it, which obviously is where it came, came from. So that's a very different new thing as well. And uh, astronauts on the space station have been watching it. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why that is. Yeah, I saw that. They've been watching it on the International Space Station. I would have thought they'd have had better things to do out there. Uh, well, you've got, everyone's got to have some downtime, and uh, there's nothing yeah. like a bit of entertaining TV. But the fact it does appeal to so many people is part of the magic of this series, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and what I find really interesting about Jason is kind of, you know, so as I say, it's a very modern thing, this idea of kind of watching TV on YouTube, um, you know, watching, it's having a screen that we carry around with us everywhere. We're never kind of away from a screen, very modern thing. Um, in a lot of ways, though, what's amazing about this show is it's such, it's, so many of the themes are so universal and, you know, they're the same kinds of themes that have going, been going around in children's entertainment, you know, forever. You know, so it's based on this old Russian fairy tale. It tells the story of this girl, Masha, who kind of wakes up in this world where her parents aren't there. She's very adventurous. She goes off and has all these adventures. Um, sometimes she gets into scrapes and there's this kind of adult-like figure, the bear, who's there to, you know, dig her out when she gets into a problem. And, and this kind of model, you know, it's so similar to, you know, everything that happens in a, in a boarding school, you know, all the Harry Potters, you know, um, Roald Dahl, the BFG, what I grew up uh, watching when I, listening to what, when I was a kid, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, same thing, you know, children get transported to this world where there are no parents, you know, but there are these adult-like figures, you know, Peter Pan, Edie Blyton, you know, they all follow the same model. So we've got this very modern phenomenon, uh, which is, you know, this, YouTube video with 3.4 billion views. But a lot of the time, um, you know, the, it, the themes that it appeals to are just such old universal themes, kind of the stuff that children find appealing to imagine. So, you know, it's this mix. And I find it really fascinating, Jason. Well, certainly when I look, because I've actually created this, I'm sure they had no idea what was going to happen next. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think with all these things, they just grow and they grow and they grow. And so many of these things with YouTube, you know, once it gets popular, it just goes kind of exponentially. It just gets more and more popular. It's an incredible thing. Now, season three is on the way in March, and this is going to be available on Netflix, Tiny Pop and Cartoonio. So there's lots of easy ways to get hold of it, as well as when it mm -hmm. makes its appearance on YouTube as well. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. Yeah, it's going to be hard to miss. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, kids' TV is probably some of the, the best TV we'll ever watch. And the fact that kids love re-watching episodes of things as well, is again part of the magic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's quite an interesting area, Jason, that they, um, so they did some research, colleagues and friends of mine in America did some research that if you, even to a young baby, if you show them the same clip um, again and again and again, they will actually spend more time looking at it the fourth time you show it than the first time. 
which is something that a lot of adults find really weird because it's so different to, um, you know, the way we pay attention. They worked out actually ragdolls, watch out, ragdoll productions worked out with Teletubbies. So they have this thing on the Teletubbies where, you know, even within a single episode, they will watch a clip. You know, the telly what lights off on the Teletubbies uh, thing and then they watch the clip and then they go again and again. You know, with these YouTube videos like Master and the Bear, you know, a lot of kids are watching the same episodes again and again. Why is this, Jason? It's a really weird thing. Um, I think it's because, you know, children's brains are, we, the word we use for it is, you know, brain scientists is noisy. So they're le much less efficient. You know, they're still working out which parts of the brain talk to which parts of the brain. Um, whereas adult brains are very, you know, trained and very practiced at processing information. So I think watching the exact same episodes of a show again and again with a kid, you know, it's like their brains get practiced at processing that information. So you're, you're watching exactly the same thing. And the more times they watch it, the more their brain gets used to processing that information. And, you know, if it's exactly the same again and again, you know, it's like they're kind of getting practiced it. And then, you know, once the the connectivity between the different parts of the brain gets strong, then they're able to take on more novelty. So I definitely think, you know, if you've got a kid at home who is doing the same thing of watching a particular episode again and again, it's definitely not something to try and stop. It can feel weird to us as adults because we don't need to do it because our brains are so well developed. But, you know, I think there is a reason why children have this urge to do it. Well, Mash and the Bear sounds like it's uh, an amazing one. It's not one I've watched much yet, but I think I may go and uh, watch a few episodes, probably on repeat, just so I get all the details. It'll probably do me a lot of good. <laughs> Where can we go to find out more on, on all of this? Any other points of contact on it? Yeah, so more specifically on this uh, this particular show, um, on mashabear.com. So just pop along there, check out all the details. But for now, Dr. Samwise, uh, development psychologist and contributing psychologist, have said to the secret life of four-year-olds, so you've seen enough of the way these kids really get into these shows. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jason. That's a lot for this week. Back with episode 504 next week. I shall see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah.